I see. If you look, do you know when Van Dyke actually comes back? Like, I, I obviously no. not part of the season. I'm, I'm more curious about whether he'll be back for the Euros. Um, the summer. Um, I'm. Do you? I think that guy's just otherworldly. He's like not even human. Uh, he's just like not. He's a crazy athletic specimen. So I'm sure he's going to recover faster than your normal player. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, whatever. I don't know when the Euros me. are, but. Not faster than me, though. I don't know if you heard what I said there. I said not faster than me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's not going to recover faster than me, just so what, you guys know. Eli, you're you're so competitive, Eli. This is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, not faster than me. Is he, You're saying, will he recover quicker, or is he literally faster than me speed-wise? Both. Both. Yeah, not both, neither. <laughs> the answer to both is no. Your best is my worst, or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah. better than your best, or whatever. I'm be- oh yeah, is that, is that whose commercial is that? I don't know. I thought that I'm was- better than your best. Right. Yeah, right. So I always liked it when people would say like, "I'm your, I'm your favorite player's favorite player," or some shit like that. It's like, nice. Yeah, that's a good one. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota once again. We're going to be talking soccer, talking life, playing games, playing mind games. We got a little something for you. Icy is back. Icy, visual and verbal confirmation. Hello, I'm back. Ready and for another episode. This episode is brought to you by Popcorn Pillow. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, everything at Footy Fellas Pod, F O O T Y Fellas Pod. It's Super Bowl Day. Super Bowl Sunday. Sorry. What do you what do you think of that? Super Bowl Sunday. You're here for it. You know, it's a great day to in your COVID pod get together with uh, the few people that you can see at this time and just eat a lot. That's really what I'm going for. Fill my belly with some food that that's going to be great. What are you eating? What's what's on the what's on the docket? Dude, good question. So we got a little potluck happening. Um, I know there's some chicken buffalo dip. There's some nacho supreme coming. There's some sloppy joes, which your boy is making. We got Ooh. some pig, pigs in a blanket. Some sloppy maxes. Some sloppy maxes. Sloppy ices. Um, that sounds like a margarita. <laughs> sloppy icy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. I'm, we, trademark uh, done. So it's either, it's be- either margarita or icy every weekend at college. Nice. <laughs> oh yeah, man. <laughs> I see you strike me as a Brady fan. I don't know why. Uh, that's unfortunate to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've grown more respect for Brady and his fans, which is weird to say, but it's true. I, my brother is a huge Brady fan and I always gave him crap for it. You know, I, I am going, I'm rooting for him this time around in this Super Bowl. Uh, generally I don't. So I'm hoping he can get this one and he'll retire, retire on a high, just get him out of the league too dominant, too good. Just go away. <laughs> It, it's so it's so frustrating that he personally I'm not a I'm not a Tom Brady guy I can't like him he's been too successful I'm about sharing the wealth and the fact that this dude I saw a nice TikTok about this the fact that this dude 
he has like a 40 something percent chance of going to a Super Bowl yeah. in all of the seasons that he's played, right? <laughs> he has a greater, there's a, there a fun TikTok on this, one of those insane stat things, insane sports stats that always is mind blowing. Steph Curry, okay, has the best three point at percentage, shot percentage of all time, like 43 something percent. What I don't, I could be off. Tom Brady has a greater chance of if he plays in a given season of football of making it to the Super Bowl. That's not okay. Steph Curry, technically then, or another way around, Tom Brady has a greater chance of going to the Super Bowl than Steph Curry does of hitting a a three-pointer. What? The problem is what they don't want you to hear, what that influencer, if they call themselves that on TikTok, (laughs) doesn't want you to think about is, does Steph Curry have a better shot of going to the Super Bowl than Tom Brady has of hitting a three-pointer? Whoa. You know, you would you would still say you'd probably say like not even close, right? Like it's still <laughs> like Tom Brady. He's pretty. You could you just you could see him. He's pretty athletic. Could hit a three pointer. Yeah, like maybe thirty percent chance Steph as a QB goes to the Super Bowl, but Brady's hitting threes at like a thirty five thirty five at least, right? Thirty five, thirty seven, probably, right? Yeah. Um, that's a good point. Let's let's make picks really quick because we're not football experts, but. We are sports. Football. We are we are football. <laughs> we are football. Let's leave it at that. We are football, actually. Uh, Icy Chiefs or Bucks? I'm going to go Bucks. Do you want a spread? Sure. Hit us with the spread. That nice Super Bowl potluck spread. Um, I'm going to go Bucks by ten. Okay, Jones. Uh, you're shaking your head. No, I think this Bucks team is overhyped. KC uh, has been dominating, just playing so well. It's KC. KC by how's the game gonna end? KC, mm, I'll get KC by seven. Okay, I'm gonna say KC by four. I think Travis Kelsey pops off, pops off. The accent really comes in every pops once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I just have a decent feeling Travis Kelsey's gonna pop off. You know, <laughs> pass the rice pig off. <laughs> the East Coast thing. Let's talk soccer Super Bowl. What if the Super Bowl was transplanted from football to football? Huh? What would it look like? Would it be the Man City Liverpool game from today? Two heavyweights of years past, the title holders from the past two seasons going at each other. Would there be a halftime show? I see. Look, I think that was your idea. Would there be a halftime yeah. show? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I stole it. No, no it. Uh, the halftime show. It's, it's it's appealing, and I don't know why soccer for big games doesn't do it. Probably because they'll ruin the pitch, and that'll just be terrible for the game. But yeah, I think I think there's room for improvement in the soccer world for some halftime show action. Um, who doesn't like to see J Lo and Shakira dance on the stage, or Justin Timberlake for that matter? I mean, it's every you know, big names, big games. Let's get it. It's all about action. It's all about some uh, entertainment. But you know, I, going back to your Super Bowl, who would who makes a good Super Bowl matchup in the in the soccer world? Look, Bayern Munich. I think I don't think you can uh, can count out Bayern Munich. They put up points every Super Bowl, every big game. You want to see a lot of points on the board. I think today's Super Bowl is actually going to be pretty uh, pretty high scoring. So I'm excited for that. At least I, you know I really hope so. Hope it is. I see. I think I see Bayern Munich and like a city. They both score a lot of goals. That'd be a great Super Bowl. I'm about that. I, I ride that train. It, it does feel like. Um... It feels like you need to have big market teams. 
I think when you have the small market, the KC Tampa thing going on, this is a unique Super Bowl in that sense. Mm-hmm. But you, you do somewhat need, I don't know, we've been accustomed to just the Patriots always being there, some Boston team, uh, New England, whatever you want to call that. Um, so I, I like the major markets and I guess Man City, I guess the Manchester area gets kind of dubbed that. But if we're going like London or, you know, um, Barcelona or Madrid, like it's probably, it feels like Madrid is the, is the Patriots. So you might go, got to go like Madrid, uh, with Cristiano against, um, I don't know anyone they would have played, I guess Juventus, if you want to pick out one of those, like a big club that they've kind of stumbled their way into the final. The the thing about the the halftime show, I want to, I think is an interesting point for us to maybe get lost in because it's a technical answer is uh Super Bowl is just like, it's all about commercialism. It's so, so just, um, just built up with all of these financial things going on behind the scenes, trying to sell stuff. The halftime show is a, is kind of a, uh, symptom of that. And champions leagues actually do have halftime shows, just it's not televised. It's not as exciting and blown out. Um, so for example, there's a funny running joke of, um, how Dua Lipa, uh, performed uh, a couple years ago and that she has more champions league final appearances than Manchester city does, which is <laughs> hilarious. And I always love that. Should it always be in a warmer place? Should the soccer super bowl be held in Miami mm-hmm. in Arizona? Mm. Or should it be somewhere international? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Should not be held in the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, take that. Take that away from the U.S. I don't deserve that. <laughs> Can you imagine it was just in like Fort Lauderdale, every or Jacksonville, oh whatever they they're holding? Uh... It, it, you know, especially Florida, the state probably I, I like the least of all fifty. They don't deserve a six sporting event because most of their state wouldn't even know what soccer is. Yeah, no respect for the game. Well, the actual Super Bowl would beg to differ, but I agree bringing soccer into the mix would be far too much. I'm also wondering what kind of food people are enjoying at the soccer Super Bowl because football is kind of classic American food of wings and chips and everything. Is it an English brekkie? Is it some German sausages, some bratwurst? What, what's the Super Bowl soccer food? It's probably influenced by the teams, you, you'd say, right? If you got that Spanish teams in there, you got a giant – uh call it cauldron cauldron of paella Paella. um and uh and uh you know if it was uh you know english teams yeah bangers and mash or something like that going on there Mm -hmm. uh some schnitzel if you got some Bayern action dortmund action um i know that you guys like icy when you started listing off the buffalo dip and all of those sloppy my heartburn just i could feel it I can feel it. That's how I know I'm 27. That's how I know I'm starting to, to, to age a little bit. I, my my duodenum, my my diaphragm is just lighting up right now. Damn, dude, I, I, I'm sorry to hear that, man, because I'm about to be grubbing and I'm going to be fine, I think. Hopefully. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. But So you're telling me you're not, you don't consider yourself a ute anymore. You know, uh, I have. Well, the- that's good because <laughs> we're going to be talking about youth academies this month and possibly have an interview with people in the space that know what they're doing and also just just chit chat about what youth development looks like in the soccer world these days before that we are going to get into last week today (laughs) sound the alarm chicago (laughs) little fire truck action we're going to first get into last week today talk about what happened the last week right now today 
hit it. Tony? Yeah, Tony. Tony. That's embarrassing. I didn't know if we'd fired Tony. Of course not. Stimulus check came in. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Just pass that stimmy right on to Tony. Our uh, our PP loan came in. We're good. (laughs) Starting in the EPL, as always, as usual, Man U Everton on Saturday. Last second 3-3 draw, courtesy of a Dominic Calvert-Lewin tying goal. Pretty hectic game. Tottenham on Sunday, finally back to winning ways with a 2-0 win over West Brom and their star man Kane back in action. Sunday morning, the morning of our recording, Liverpool versus City. City turned on the Jets. A couple of tough mistakes from Alisson, Liverpool's keeper, and they went on to cruise to a 4-1 win over Liverpool. In broader EPL news, the people, us, have moved on from questioning VAR penalties to VAR red cards with questionable calls against Susek and Arsenal and referee Mike Dean being put right in the center of all this, thrown into the fire. People are asking, is he stealing the show? Is he making it too much about himself? So check those calls out if you haven't already. Serie A, Juventus took down AS Roma 2-0 on their journey back to the top of the table. They currently sit in third after jumping Roma, who's now in fourth, and who else but Ronaldo scoring the first goal of that game. Midweek action last Wednesday in the Copa del Rey in Spain. Barcelona had a dramatic 5-3 extra time comeback win versus Granada with Griezmann and Jordi Alba both scoring twice. So nada from Messi and mucho from Griezmann and Alba. How about that? To all the, all the Barcelona haters, they're making it making it work somehow, some way. In other news, Zlatan Ibrahimovic hit 500 club goals in his career, which is nothing to sneeze at. He talks a big game and at least he walks the talk national teams are gearing up to pick their squads for the olympics which as of this moment are still on so the women's soccer show on instagram check them out if you haven't already they posted a couple of options for the u.s women's national team team lineup and i'm excited to see who gets picked a lot of studs at least for the u.s women's national teams to choose from obviously lynn williams a big name if you haven't heard of her already. She should be a real standout player after shining in the NWSL this past season. Will Alex Morgan even be a starter at this point because they have so much talented youth and up-and-coming stars? A couple of questions and choices to look forward to with the Olympics coming up, if they happen. That's last Lovely. week today. Thank you, Big E. You know, I, you know, for that last point about Alex Morgan not even starting, I think that's totally fine, and I hope she you know, can can accept if she comes off the bench. I think it's fair. I think she actually got her recognition coming off the bench and just doing work. She every time I she would come off the bench, she scored goals back in back in the day when she wasn't a starter. And, you know, I think what a threat to have on the bench. So if if it comes to that, I think we're still in a very, very, very good spot for the team. Hundred percent. Great point. Yeah. I mean there's there are so many good players. You have sisters, you have the Mewis sisters who hold it down. We've talked a lot about, um, of course, I'm totally blanking now, midfielder. Rose Lavelle. Rose Lavelle, stud midfielder. Um, defensively, Ertz, their keepers. Now they have two great keepers with Nayer and I'm going to forget the other one. I got to look at the lineups. Um, but just it's really, str- and and uh, Harris, Ashlyn Harris, uh Heath, Rapino, a lot of names that we do recognize and most people would recognize if they followed the previous World Cup. And then a couple of up-and-comers in the NWSL who are looking to get their shot, which is tough when you have this stacked of a team. You know, it's right. like a bunch of the the young English 
men's players who are just trying to get in the team and Grealish, who's one of the better players in the world right now, isn't even getting time when the team is stacked. Individuals definitely miss out a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hey, actually on that point, I'd like to make a quick interjection of a uh, shout out to Jesse Lingard and Minamino who have been recent transfers in this last transfer window. Um, Jesse Lingard went to West Ham from Manchester United and scored two goals in his opening game for the team. Awesome to see, you know, great, great performance from him. And he seems to be meshing very well with West Ham, who's doing great this season. So really, really not like to see that. And then Minamino scored for Southampton in his first game for them. And it, it made me think, geez, these good teams, you know, they transfer a player who players who have been on and off the pitch for them, but they give them to these other teams that are a little lower in the table. And, you know, they perform right away. They, they're, they're showing that they've got tons of skill. And it, it's, I think it's a little bit unfortunate that those types of players are on benches for teams and they could be contributing elsewhere. That's my little interjection. Yeah, totally, man. It, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's definitely a different, it's kind of a, it's a, an exciting story when you see that um, happen. When you have that guy who like, it feels like you have the the story of like the Dimitri Payets or the the Memphis Depays who, um, you know, kind of get a lot of lot of the the spotlight and they go to these other like not as top teams, Lyon and Marseille, to you know do their thing and they kind of I don't know it, it's 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 just you get weird kind of vibes from it, but but it's much more heartwarming when you see a guy who doesn't get much tick on a great team who then leaves and then is successful and. You question why didn't they do that sooner, and uh, you can't fault them for it because they clearly had the talent, at least they thought, and to an extent did have to compete and try to play for the the top top teams. But um, lo and behold, you see that immediately once they go elsewhere, they uh, they really do have class that you just don't get to see as much, unfortunately. So yeah. it, it's great. I'm, everyone wins when they when those guys win. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Love seeing these guys perform. Going to get into a little more of that youth development chatter. But first, a word from our sponsor. As always, not the same sponsor, but always have a sponsor. And that's what's important because mm-hmm. that's a measure of success. Yes, money. Yes. So many companies are making all sorts of pillows. My pillow has a bunch of differently shaped foam pieces filling their pillows. Some companies making cube pillows. Well, we have the best and only pillow for you. It's the shape of a regulation-sized soccer ball and filled with popcorn kernels. Now when you're watching a movie at night, you can use your body heat on the pillow to warm up some yummy snacks. Big game on? Super Bowl tonight? Use your pillow popping to feed your friends. Get yours today for only $1.99. Questions. Um, do you refill the pillow with popcorn kernels? Does it come with kernels? Is it a one and done kind of use system? Is the ball is the ball itself? Is it like a firm, like a like a shell? Is or, it warm? I want to know if it's warm. Where you do you sit on it to heat it up? Um, uh, Guys, a lot of questions. Fantastic I, questions. You know, I got I got some quality time, the luxury to speak with popcorn pillow founder. Uh, Colonel Sanders, and he just wow. was fantastic to talk to. What what a guy! So they do sell the kernels separately from the pillow. However, when you do buy the pillow, 
it, it does come pre-filled with kernels, but you can buy, you know, the uh, extra kernels separately as well. Um, yeah, so it is it is a heated pillow, uh, but it doesn't get hot enough until you actually include some body heat, and that's that's when you start getting that pop of popping effect. Um, now you might be wondering, well, if you're laying down on your pillow, is a popping going to wake you up? Uh, no, it's not. It there is a uh, soundproof little chamber inside the pillow that that masks and mutes the sound of the popping popcorn. Um, but a great product. It, it it's not too firm, not too soft. Perfect amount of uh, firmness to give you nice neck support when you sleep at night. So you know it's a win win. Could anyone try this at home? Say they don't want to spend the big bucks for popcorn pillow, but they have a bunch of Orville Redenbacher left over. Could they make their own? Or do we need to put a warning of a do not try this at home kind of deal? My heartfelt uh, conversation with Colonel Sanders was that folks should not try this at home as the popcorn pillow has patented technology that will prevent the kernels from spilling all over the place and popping them appropriately. So if you do try it at home, just, you know, understand that you won't be getting some popcorn popped as you, as you sleep or as you, you know, rest or watch a movie. Um, and the popcorn kernels may spill out. It's good to know. Is it, is it true? I was just checking out their website really quick. Is it true that for people with different sleeping preferences, they also have a KFC pillow or is that not true? Ah, uh, because it's because it's Colonel Sanders. This is actually Colonel Sanders' twin. So you've got KFC Colonel Sanders, who um, is rocking the KFC world, and then you know Colonel Sanders' twin, Colonel Sanders. Uh, he's doing this popcorn stuff. So they just had different food preferences. They, you know, out of the womb, one one liked chicken, one liked popcorn. And they they pursued their passion. So um, no no KFC pillow yet, but they are thinking about it. So it runs in the family. Feels like low hanging fruit that they wouldn't just have a popcorn chicken pillow, but you know, who am I to who am I to say what they should and shouldn't do? But popcorn chicken, we'll say, was my favorite thing at KFC Ooh, back in I agree. Back in the day. So maybe they did actually collab and we just haven't heard about it yeah, in the mainstream be. news. Or this could be the impetus for it. Mm. Could be on the way up. Interesting. You ever had popcorn chicken? Yeah, it's great. All right. You just didn't seem as excited when I brought it up. So I'm, so, I'm sure. thinking about the popcorn pillow. Yeah, my that's head's, fair. My head's in dreamland. Yeah. Well, it's, it's reality. Wake up. Because it's here. It's, it's right here. It's on your, sitting on your doorstep. They sent us 500, so it's here. <laughs> so they're all on Icy's doorstep. Let's talk a little bit about youth development, which we have mentioned a couple times, and we're excited to get more into this month because it plays a large role in the world of footy, and it's grown the amount of money put into it, the amount of attention, time as the game has grown, so have these youth academies and younger players, transfers, different styles, what's important. For now, we're just going to broach the topic. First, Jones, I want to pick your brain. How have youth academies changed over time? How has the importance of youth academies changed over time in the way it's talked about in mainstream media and in the way that players place possibly a higher level of importance on playing for a big youth academy, a big team, clubs, youth academy, even earlier on in their careers? I think the biggest thing when we talk youth academies, but but soccer in general, is that it as a market has been considerably um, growing and growing and growing for the past, um, I don't know, uh, three decades at least, um, really starting to boom. 
And with any with any marketplace where you're seeing uh, just an, inf- uh, an injection of funds, you have just more robust um, practices that start to take place. And and that's in um, training grounds, that's in medical equipment, that's in technology used to uh, monitor players and their habits. Um, and it also means that youth academies too have also had an injection of, of money. And with that, um, over the past few decades, and I guess more immediately the past you know five to 10 years, you've seen a, um, a heightened um, attention granted towards youth academies, training regiments, um, and developing um, and honing and identifying talent at a young, young age um, because of, well, a couple factors, but one is now when you look at transfers in the marketplace, people aren't, don't want to invest in a player um, who is 27, 26 for their team if they're trying to rebuild per se, right? I guess not many teams do if they're trying to full on rebuild, but those players lose value very quickly. And you're not, you don't exactly have much to deal with later. Whereas players who are sold um, at 22 um, are much more in, uh, in demand um, because they can give much to the team commercially as well as on the field. And then the resale value at a later date also could, could grow um, incrementally. Um, so there's a lot of factors that are kind of driving this. The biggest is just finances. But what you have, what you start to see in the youth academy system, and I am no, I, I would like to sound like an expert and perhaps the tone that I'm speaking with makes it sound like I'm an expert. Very much not. But it does feel like there are types of youth academies that are starting to bubble up. And it depends on what that first team looks like. Um, You have youth academies that are sent there to literally make the best products, find them, pull them in from all over the world to then feed them directly into the first team. And those are your big cities, Chelsea's, United's of the world. Um, um, Then you have your um, club systems that are built around selling those players. Um, who have these world round academies that are known for pulling in the best talent because they have the best philosophies um, and uh, then selling those players on your Leon's um, your Everton's actually in the mix there too. Um, uh, La Masaya Masia in, in Barcelona, obviously um, a lot of, a lot of big named Monaco. Um, and then you have your other youth systems that are just there to exist and to provide a place for young talent to grow into. But the, the whole point, and I think that's really exciting about this month and what we're going to dive into is that there is um, financial, let's put it this way, progress usually follows where there's a financial interest. And right now, youth academies have a massive financial interest. Um, so what you're seeing is a rise in and what feels like uh, in all of our conversations, a heightened interest in young players, young prospects. We're actually seeing those young prospects coming and playing and making good. Look at Foden today, 20 years old, banging them in. Um, we have an exciting month ahead of us, exciting opportunities. And there's so much growing in the youth world um, that um, that we have yet to uncover yet on this pod. Yeah, I see. What do you think about the financial versus winning incentives for some of the bigger clubs. Some of them are known for building up incredible youth academies and then selling off some of these players. Do you have any thoughts on what the most sustainable or best strategy is for, for different clubs at different times in their existence? Well, I think that the, any club as they curate this youth talent, they sh- their incentive shouldn't be to turn a profit on these players at the end of the day. 
I think that's the wrong incentive. I think it is really to, and I think that is mostly the mindset of, of a European club. And and um, now I'm not saying that that is the mindset of a, of a United States uh, academy per se, but I think that in over in Europe, I know they have a greater, what they want to do is get the player to be creative in their youth, think outside the box and really develop and curate a love for the game. Um Whereas it's talked about in the United States, at least previously, I think it's changing nowadays. It, it's more, we want wins, we want results. That's really what matters. So I think that's changing in the U.S. for the better. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think that you should curate a love in the game for, for, the, for the youth. And at the end, you know, as they grow to love the game, they'll play better. And they'll get results at the end of the day. And which... You know, a pro of that would be getting some financial compensation for this player that's in love with the game, very talented, and, you know, gets results. So I think you got to focus on the non-financial return at the beginning, at the end uh, at the end of the day, and then curate this these youths into uh, lovers of the game that then, that then do perform. I think you see that in Phil Foden. Um, he's got this creativity, showed it today attacking prowess, just a very gifted player. And we've got all these youth, uh, or we got all these young players on the U.S. team who are playing abroad in, in, in Europe, um, which is further curating uh, their skills and introducing them to different different styles of play, which I think is going to be, it's going to pay off incredibly going forward, especially in the World Cup for the team. Jones and I were talking yesterday about Daryl DK on Orlando City uh, FC in the MLS, and he's been playing with the national team. Just another great example of incredibly athletic player who really knows the game, and and you can tell is very comfortable on a soccer pitch, but probably wouldn't be playing soccer as their main sport of choice, you know, five, ten years ago, perhaps, Mm -hmm. because it's just seen such a rise. And so much money, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, so much money has been pumped into these youth academies for equipment, for new technology. Now they're all tracking player movement and fitness and stamina and, you know, using video analysis and all this stuff that will take the youth academies game to the next level. And it makes it feel more professional. And there are kind of pros and cons to that where it does feel there's so much pressure on these kids at a young age to perform. Yes, maybe they're, you could argue they're better players. The next generation of players will be that much better than the previous generation, which is always a tough comparison. But it does put a lot of pressure on these players now who, with the academy system in the U.S. changing, now you're if you're at a specific level, then it's considered, you know, the, the actual academy level and everyone can watch video tape on you. Obviously, there's the college route, but specifically within the academies, if you're trying to go pro and that's your goal, you've got that, that those laser eyes on you since you're 12, 10, 9, and possibly even get, transferring or having to move to a different country to join a, a great academy at the age of, of 10 or 12. We're in an exciting time right now where, especially just even when you look at the past uh, January transfer window uh, and the amount of American players who were, have just been bought or you know loaned out, just as you had mentioned with uh, Daryl Dyke to Barnsley. And these, uh, these players are um, they're getting an opportunity that they wouldn't have gotten um, a decade ago or even less. 
Um, and so there's this pro- proliferation of um, stats that are allowing us to see these um, undervalued players. Um, there are these academies that are building up these untapped markets, uh, filling with talent that are coming in from other streams, be it American football or basketball or other elite sports um, and athletes that come with them. Um where it's um, you look at South America, where there was originally a pipeline from players coming from Argentina or Brazil into Europe, and now it's kind of starting to dwindle a little, a little at least for Argentina, um, and reshaped, redefined what kind of players they're interested in. There's so much to unpack with with youth. Um, it's always changing, and and you can argue youth academies and youth players are the oh, this is an interesting debate, maybe for another day. But um, you know what. Uh, what comes first, um, the the play style from the academy or the play style from the first team? You know, is it the Liverpool high press stuff that that really invigorates all of the high press technique that players are practicing um, in the in the youth academies, or you know, is the talent that's kind of bubbling up from those youth academies informing then what first teams need to be be doing on the field too? Um, so much to talk about on in these topics. So many um, rich stories and perspectives to color in the stuff that I think we would all love to know more about. It would make sense that the first team's style of play that's communicated and that's what they're pushing. If the goal is to build these players up to first team players, because you want guys coming in that understand the style automatically. That's one benefit of having them be in your Academy versus having to pay money for them to come somewhere else. So you'd think that a lot of that is communicated between the head coach and the club director or technical director of the first team down and, and they try to play with that but you're right at some level you need to teach certain skills and you want players that are flexible and can adjust then you also want players that can play your system yeah, yeah. like um it, it's intuitive the, the fact that the strategy would pull down into into the players and they would then follow suit you know i i guess i was almost um i'm, I'm almost also thinking you know what about the players who watch other players and want to emulate them right and so they start to pick up these habits and styles that are um, counterintuitive to perhaps what they've supposed to be taught, um, the, the way they receive the ball and they're outside of the foot or, or they decide to always whip these ball, the, the amount of defenders who've been watching Trent thinking, okay, that's what I want to do. And they start playing that way. Um, um, where they're more, much more offensive and stuff. Is that a factor of, you know, these players just trying to emulate their, the, these players up top, or are they actually following strategies? Is Trent following the right strategy? You know, all that fun stuff, but. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great, it's a great point. Um, something that we can for sure delve into as we, as we go on this month, but you know, I also think a lot of it's stats as, as you guys were alluding to so much money going into not only players and pitches and, and kind of institution brick and mortar setup stadiums and whatnot, but technology. And there's a, a big, big focus on technology in soccer and it's growing all the time. So, you know, you're Trent Alexander's, um, the effectiveness of the of the cross of the attacking ability, I'm sure is backed up by numbers. Uh, you'd like to think so, and that's why they keep keep using that that strategy. So, as long as the numbers point towards a winning formula, that that will be in my mind what defenders and coaches are are moving towards. Um, granted, if it works for for the environment and the and the, the players that you have on your club, I also want to make a point that. As much as the the top team, that first team, does dictate playing style and and um, formational tactics and whatnot down through the academies, 
you know, unless you've got a Messi in your club that is just a, another worldly type of player that kind of does his own thing and will always kind of be successful in a, I, I guess I, sh- I shouldn't say that always be successful, but can sort of dictate what's around him. Um, a player like that could kind of shift, you know, maybe not be so influenced by first team tactics, um, if that makes sense, because they're just, uh, they can kind of do their own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think one devil's advocate, it's totally true. I see the stats are, whether you like it or not, becoming more and more important. I think the one devil's advocate that our our friend, friend of the footy fellas, Tim Spencer, who is currently a youth coach at Leganes in Spain and who might be back on the pod, sneak peek, that he would argue is that it's also so much about identity, yes, within that youth team, but also just building character in players that coaches are also looking for and maybe shines at the most important moments where yes, of course you can check out stats on the page and evaluate players pretty effectively that way. Even more objectively is the argument than people's emotions coming into play. But what you're missing in that case is recognizing that a player is going to work back every time they lose the ball or that a player in the locker room is going to be the guy to stand up or the girl to stand up and get the team back on track when you're struggling or stick up for a teammate. If you're one of Allison's teammates today and he coughs away that that first ball and they're all just kind of looking around yes they played him again they trusted him enough to play it back again which he unfortunately coughed up again but you need guys that are gonna stick up for him talk to him people with strong character and i think that's another big element of these youth academies as the players are growing as people you're trying to help them develop as people because they spend so much time there and playing soccer and with each other so that's some something else to to take into account that i'm sure tim will harp on as well when we have him back on the pod i'm gonna wrap it up there for now for now that conversation and head to our favorite everyone's favorite critically acclaimed devil's advocate thank you gentlemen uh today's devil advocate theme uh uh, presented by Allstate, of course is the super bowl edition um I'm going to read off a statement and you guys will be the devil's advocate and argue in the, um, uh, the, the counter argument, I suppose. Um, we'll start with you, Maxwell winter, Maxwell, Albert winter. Um, the best snack for viewing the super bowl is chicken wings. Nothing comes close. Okay. Jones, you're completely wrong there. The best snack to have during a super bowl are nachos. Crunchy, you got so many different toppings. With wings, they're messy on your fingers, and you have to decide on that flavor at the time of ordering. Nachos, you have a display of different things you can put on top. Nachos reign supreme. Wings, step to the side. You've been dethroned. Wow. That was efficient. Strong take. Efficient and strong. I agree. Well, okay. Uh, We'll talk about that in a bit. I see. Um, Eli, to you, winning a Super Bowl is more impressive than winning the Champions League. No question. I would argue that one is tougher for real because with the Champions League, you have other games going on throughout the year. This is a side competition. Yes, you could argue it's much more important if you've gotten that far along in the Champions League, but at least for the Super Bowl, that's the end goal. You're focused on that. That's the ultimate, the only thing you're playing towards. Whereas the Champions League, even for great teams, you're trying to win your league. You're trying to win other cups. You have injuries, all this other stuff that gets in the way. And I think winning the Champions League makes it that much more impressive that you're fighting for so many across so many different fronts. 
I like that. Uh, over to you, IC. Winning the Champions League is more impressive than winning the Super Bowl. Look, as much as I agree with Eli, I have to take actually some of his points and say that since every team is fighting to win the Super Bowl, it's their main focus all 16 games leading up to just qualifying to then play in these one-offs, uh, winner, winner go home games in the playoffs, make the Super Bowl that much more uh, impressive to win uh, over the Champions League. Whereas Eli did mention teams, it's a side thing. There are other competitions going on simultaneously. Um, you got in the Super Bowl, you've got your best players playing to win the title. Champions League. You probably maybe have subs in at a certain point and whatnot because it's a it's a lot of games for all these all these players to play. Duly noted. Dude, did you have a response it's to that? Good tweak. Like no, it's a good tweak. It's fair. I think the one thing I'll throw in here, guys, that we didn't talk about from a macro perspective, just hit me right now, is I think it's kind of harder to do Super Bowl because uh, Champions Super Bowl, your teams in the NFL, you have salary caps, whereas in the Champions League or you know, in Europe, you mm. can just buy whatever team you want. So that's why you see usually the same you know, seven-ish teams all kind of in the running, whereas, so your parody there is a top topic for debate. Um, last one to you, Eli. We watched the game, that is the Super Bowl, to watch the game. The commercials are a distraction from what we all want to see. We just want that pigskin on the screen. See, I know that's wrong because when you said we watched the game, I thought of the commercials, not the actual football. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Damn. <laughs> psychology drop well that's it boys uh thank you for your inputs um y'all are a couple sexy devils and i appreciate that cheers yeah cheers (laughs) (laughs) we appreciate all of you as always our fofs for listening stick around keep following us on social we're putting out a lot of fun stuff you haven't seen it already we got a little super bowl commercial super bowl ad Make sure soccer is a part of the discussion, a part of the football discussion as it should be. And we'll be back next week. See you later. See you next week. Yeah, just off the top of the dome really quick for a sec. I'm better than your best. I'm more automatic than your nest. I'm long-term, I invest. I'm better, just confess. <laughs> like like the nest? Like like the house nest? Or are you just... Yeah, the thermostat? Dude, that was, was off the, the top. The new thermostat. That's great. That was just off the top. That was really good. Yeah. Wow. Well done.